This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. On Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy, Throwback Thursday. Nice, nice. That's good. That's good. That's up. Throwback Thursday. Well, there's there's two components to this. In fact, there's more than that because uh, you've been given the heads up on our next guest, David Dewey. Um, we go back to 1990 and 1991, the St. George Dragons. That's first grade time for David Newey. And then his career takes him all over the place and a bit of rugby. But it's the American angle that we want to really focus on today. He, he moved over to the States. Well, David will tell us, but it was very early 90s. And he basically, I've labelled him founding father, one of the founding fathers of rugby league in the USA because he's had a lot to do with flying the flag for the great sport. He must almost have to pinch himself that now there's a double header in the NRL coming to Vegas. Let's welcome him to Throwback Thursday right now. That makes you old, Dave. That means you're not on this segment unless you're old. Welcome to the show. Boys, how are you? That, that's a nice intro. You're making me feel really old. Thanks very much. <laughs> you're welcome, David. That, that means we're all old, all of us. Yes. All three of us. For the record, David's 57, 57, David. Is that correct? 57? Yeah, I'll take 57, mate. That's fine. <laughs> or maybe 58. No, I think you're yeah, 58. Come on, Vossi. Come yeah. On. yeah, I think I've won the club there. 58. Yeah. Mate, I think I think that one of the fellows sitting at the desk uh, might be the same same age. You mightn't be remember, but we went back all the way to high school playing against each other. Greg Alexander. I said, no, I said that yesterday, didn't I, Vossi? I said, <laughs> yes. David and I, I'm sure David and I played against each other. James Cookai, Brian Smith, the coach. James Cookai. Um, yeah. yeah. James Cookai. Those, those were the days. We we, they were great. Mate, I'll tell you a funny story if you've got a second since it's throwback Thursday. Yes. We sat in the, and Brian Smith was our coach at James Cook and we had some talented players with us. Dennis Kinchella has a name that goes back as well. He was on our team Dennis Kinchella. way back when. Big Wigan. And we did a team meeting. We were about to play Fairfield, I guess in one of the end of the season competitions of Commonwealth Bank Cup or something. And Fairfield, they had some big names in their team, and Smithy went through the list. It was the likes of Max Mannix, mm-hmm. Paul Langmack. I think there was a Tom Nichols that played Australian schoolboys, if my memory serves me correctly. You're right. Yeah. And Smithy went to the group, and he said, listen, out of all those guys, there's one guy we have to worry about. It's number seven, Greg Alexander. And we sure did. I spent a lot of time just – that's why you can't remember me, Greg. I, I spent most of my time behind you, mate, chasing you back. <laughs> <laughs> So let's just, before we get on to the American experience, and and Brandy's done his research on you rugby union-wise, but rugby league, the St. George Dragons, David, that must have been the dream, to pull on the big red V back in the day. It made it, well, I grew up in in the area, so, you know, um, spent my time going to primary school at Brighton and then high school at James Cook and sitting on the hill at Cogger Oval. So my family heritage is Fijian, so the full surname's like Numatawalu. But we shortened it because it made things easier way back then. But my dad and you know was close with the, the, the Toga brothers, Apisai and Anosi Toga. So that kind of made us yeah. automatic St. George fans and, and the opportunity to play for the Dragons. 
was wonderful. You know, I, I played both games, union and league. It was a time when you'd play, uh, you were able to play both. You could play, you know, union on the weekend and league through the week with your high school. So playing with the Dragons was 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 a great time, great memory. Now, now before we get on to the, the the United States, and which was probably the big reason, but I've got some information, and it was uh, it's been given to me from a, a former Wallaby, and he said David New was also a gun cricketer, uh, and he said. Not not just a weekend like a proper first grader. St George maybe Sutherland <laughs> also, uh, and also played rugby yeah. for Saints. Good player, aggressive fly half, uh, which was uncommon for us rugby backs in the nineties. But uh, <laughs> cricketer and rugby player. Yeah, love the cricket. I was fortunate. I actually grew up in a good era, mate. Like as I said, I was lucky enough to play against guys like yourself in footy. But I spent some time playing in and around the War Brothers at around about the same age. So, you know, that was a period I went up through. Grew up playing cricket in the, in the St. George area. Some young, young guys around me, talented guys. I think you guys might remember a guy by the name of Stephen Funnel. This really is throwback. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's it. That's wrong. Yeah. Steve Funnel. Mm-hmm. The, the Webb was a, was a talented rugby league player and cricketer as well. And then I, I went on and played just a little bit at, at Sutherland first grade, but played a fair bit of great cricket with them as well. My first, first grade match actually was against St. George. And in our team was a guy by the name of Les Johns. So, again, really is the throwback wow. Thursday. What a talented wow. cricketer Les Johns was as well. All right. Now, this becomes a love story too. This, uh, oh. Brandy, maybe. Well, there, there is a love story because I, I, I'll have to correct. Huh? Well, we've, we've done some research. Now, is your first um, t- sort of contact with America, is it an end-of-season trip with the Dragons to Hawaii that sort of gets oh. is one of the stepping stones towards ending up in America full-time? Did you meet your sure partner is. back then in yeah. Hawaii, possibly? I, I did. I did. I, in fact, I met her on the first day we were there on the beach in Hawaii and then married or didn't marry her. I asked her to marry me about two weeks later. So, yeah, met her on the beach. Oh, wow. And here we are 30-some years later. <laughs> I'm in, in right? actually, I work in New York now, but I'm in Philly. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, amazing. The boys at the time couldn't believe it. Yeah, they just scratched their heads still. They're like, what happened? I was like, oh, things happen so in Waikiki Beach. In what, what, what year trip. was that, David? You're on Triple Way. 91. 91. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so the trip was organised by... Go ahead, sorry. No, no, I was just because we I spoke briefly this morning about trips away and, and because we're, you know, Vegas, the Vegas thing and... Um, Underage, yeah. underage players, and I said, "Well, at the end of '91, we went to America. We 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 played the World Club Challenge. We came home, then we went to America and ended up in Hawaii too on the on the way home. So we we were in Hawaii '91 summer. So Could have got hit, yeah. might, might have got hit. Your life, might be, you might be doing the breakfast <laughs> show <laughs> over in Alaska now or something. It could have been anything for you, Brandy. You never know. You never know. No, I'm just you saying. That, that, well, well, Brad Fitler got into the the, the bars. In Hawaii, didn't 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 go well in LA. Under LA eight. wasn't wasn't the place, yeah. but uh, yeah, Hawaii's a bit more relaxed, right? Bit more relaxed, yeah. So, yeah. when do yeah. you first take or play rugby league in or for America, David? It, it goes back to the World Sevens. Remember the tournament that they would have down there, the Coca Cola World Sevens. They bring teams in from all over. So when I landed in in the in the states. I figured, you know, this is, I had a couple of years left with St. George, got a release, and I thought, you know, I'll just move on, get involved in professional career and settle in, in America. But it just happened to be that someone found out I was there and asked me to play rugby union. 
And so I ended up being picked in the um, US Sevens team to play in Hong Kong. And I thought, oh, that's a nice trip. I never thought that would happen. I'll, I'll, I'll head off to that. Then it struck me that I'd better let these guys know. And you guys will remember you all the way back then, I guess, when you went from union to league, you were actually banned. You know, it was amateur to professional. So I had to let USA Rugby know. They called Australian Rugby, New South Wales Rugby. They're like, yeah, this guy's on the on the no-fly list. He's, he's banned from playing Rugby Union again. So like, I was out. So I hung up right. that phone, and it wasn't a couple of days later that the phone rang, and it was a fellow that was running the team that did come down to the Rugby League World 7. So jumped off that flight, jumped on the next one, came down and played with the US in the World 7s, and that kick-started. Um, a lot of interest in, in the game back, in my mind anyway, the opportunity and trying to do things back in America. So behind that, the same guy that organised the trip to Sydney for the Sevens had organised a USA, this is crazy, USA versus Ireland International at RFK Stadium, which was the Washington Redskins at the time's home stadium, live on ESPN on St. Patrick's Day. Wow. So he said to me, Nui, Find me a group of players to represent the USA. <laughs> so that's January is the World Seven, March is St Patrick's Day. So in, in you know a month and a half, we we figured out we'll identify a couple of players to put our heads together and play against Ireland in an international, and that really kick-started you know the, the beginning. And from there, it was the the thought about you know this is wonderful, this high-level stuff, but it's not realistic. We've got to try and put together a local competition. And so very humbly, we, we started with a bunch of guys tossing the ball around in the park. You know, with five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of us, enough for two teams, and trying to find jerseys and balls and lying fields and all those things were challenging, but very, very rewarding. And, and it was a thrill of mine, actually, if I look back on it, that we were part of something that's maybe, uh, you know, led to where we are on March 2nd with the NRL coming in. Uh, very, very humble. Uh, played a little small part in that. You're entitled to be a special guest to the NRL at the at the game. I reckon Peter Volandi's tuned into this interview might know the extent of your involvement with things. <laughs> You're obviously going to Vegas, David. You'll be there for it. Yeah, I will. I will. I'm looking forward to it. So my wife and I, and in fact, all those guys that help you know dig the well for rugby league in America, we mm. formed the American National Rugby League, and then the national team we we called the Tomahawks. Had a little bit of success and some fun along the way. There's a, probably close to 100 of them now that are heading out there to all get back right. together again after about 20, 20, 20 odd years. Fantastic. Okay. Um, I, I heard on one of our other programs, it was Joel and Fletch, Brian Fletcher, Joel Kane, who do the afternoon program. They were interviewing yeah. someone, yeah. David, that was coming um, via Notre Dame rugby team yeah. to the combine that they're holding in Vegas. Um, yeah. Do you think they'll unearth? The, the combine anyone that you know that will find their way back into rugby league do you think is 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 that is that feasible that that the sort of thing that they're trying i, I believe it is it, it's going to take a little bit of time and patience and talent id and a, and a little bit of skill development but athletically the raw potential is absolutely there you know the ability to run really fast in a straight line or move quickly in different directions or leap high, you know, play with your hands above your head, basketball guys that can be like a winger and jump up in the air and contest possession. I've seen it over the period of time here. It's just a matter of really spending, you know, the time and effort in, in making it a long-term project. And, and some of the guys I've helped to identify for this combine. Um, and I think there's a pathway 
through that process to identify talent um, for, the, for the National Rugby League in Australia, for the men, but I think it's also really exciting for the women. I think there's going to be a lot of women that come out of that combine or ultimately through that yeah. combine that can be identified to play professionally in Australia. The Rugby Sevens programs here, men and women, are really, really competitive. And I think oh. Rugby Sevens is more closely linked to Rugby League than Rugby Fifteens. So, Correct. you know, both yeah, of those absolutely. teams may medal at the next Olympics, you know. Wow. Hey, David, because you're real, there, because you're there, what are the barometers for success? Like, what are there some key, like, crowd alone, television numbers? Have you thought about what will gauge this as an absolute success? Or is just being there? The fact that it's going to be on in five years, is that the, is that the pass mark? Have you thought about what we need to be talking about in two weeks' time as what's happened? Yeah, I think it's a really good question, and it's been it's come up a lot, not just from you know, people from Australia, but people in America, they're asking the same sort of thing. Is there going to be, you know, a residual uh, benefit, some legacy from this? And I think there is. I think the optics are we would love to see 40,000 fans there, wouldn't we? That's wonderful. People would use that as a as a pass marker, a B or a B plus or an A. You know, and then what does the television look like? Does it get some eyeballs nationally across the country? They're, they're the things that obviously the business people at the NRL will, will study and, and look at. But the very fact that there's a commitment over time, the five years, so there's this large tentpole event, which teams come in, professional teams come and play in a showcase. But around that is a combine, so there's some talent ID and pathway for some local athletes to get an opportunity. And then beneath all of that, a football festival. You know, there's a nines tournament that's going on, which I think over time will grow and be larger and potentially get international club teams, you know, from the bush and from the park all over, over the world to come in. And then a, a Masters, there's actually a Masters tournament as well, and an international between the USA and Canada. So there's a lot of things that are happening that can help grow the game. And then beyond the, the larger you know, thing that everyone's got their eyeballs in, the stuff that's going on underneath the bottom of the pyramid, if that grows organically, there's some real opportunity here. And that five-year plan, I think there's a way to really um, everybody, especially the stakeholders for rugby league in America, to benefit from it. Uh, so, David, did you say did you say you're in Philadelphia, but you work in New York? What what is yeah? Just a little bit about yourself. What's what's happened to you in the yeah, last uh, so twenty what, years? Dude? Yeah, my background. Yeah, my background's education. So I was a teacher. So you know, when I was playing with the Dragons, I was teaching at James Cook. So yeah. that sort of was the the basis of everything. Then came across here and worked in a in a school called, called the Glen Mills Schools. It was around the corner from where I lived in Philadelphia, and it was a school for Court adjudicated youth. Well, what does that mean? Well, basically, they were gangbangers and, and socialised delinquents, kids that were in jail or removed from jail, bloods and crips and Mexican mafia. So they'd killed some people, done some pretty bad things. But this program was a, it was a fascinating place where there were no locks and bars, you know, from the custody clinical model of locking people up. This was about trying to develop pro social behaviour across academics. And, and absolutely athletics, because a lot of the kids that came into the program were big, strong, tough kids from the city. And, and the founder of the program really believed that, you know, if you're, if you're a leader on the corner and you can organise 15, 20 kids or, or gang members to follow you, you're a leader. So how do we, you know, convert that from a negative behaviour to positive behaviour? So up and through that program, these kids ended up becoming really talented athletes. And, and, and then doing well academically, we had kids that 
went and played professional football, won Super Bowls, track athletes. And, and it's amazing because in parallel with that, I started a rugby league program there for the staff. So it was a bit like the old um, longest yard, you know, where the prison guards yeah. <laughs> play against the local team. But that was the start. That was the genesis of the American National Rugby League. That school became the hub of where we played all our big internationals and it was a home base for us to develop rugby league and you know find athletes and identify them so the educational part being a teacher was what first got me embedded in in the states and then helped me to develop rugby league and then beyond that i got involved in, in american football so i was in about five years i was working in and out of china uh, helping to develop american football so grow up from the grassroots up in the colleges and start a professional program, then jump back across here and was involved for a short period with Rugby Sevens when I was outside of Rugby League. And now I'm actually the executive director of a place called the Fences Club, the Olympic style, the age-old sport of fencing. Um, it's about 140 years old. We're, our club is across the road from the Empire State Building, right in Midtown between 5th and 6th Avenue. So it's been an interesting ride. You know, most of it, you know, I'll, I'll say respectfully, unplanned. I just kind of landed in different things, um, all, all sports-related, it seems. That is fascinating. Uh, David, it's been great to reminisce. It really is. Uh, good to hear you going well. Uh, I know Vossi's going to catch up with you when you're in Vegas, uh, but uh, mate, yeah, really great talking. Yeah. Good on you, mate. No, I appreciate it, Greg and, and Andrew. It, it's, it's nice. Thanks for uh, taking a stroll back in time. It, leading us to, to Vegas in March. Yeah. I think it's going to be really successful and really exciting. So good to see uh, all the rugby league people around the world getting behind it. Super stuff. There you go. The first guest, a beauty, on our Throwback Thursday. If there's someone from the past that you'd like to hear from in Throwback Thursday, let us know on the Edgewater Homes text line, 0457 736 736. We're here for Bryden's Lawyers. Unable to work due to injury or illness, contact Bryden's Lawyers. Hemi Goodman from Sportsbet in just a moment, and he'll be chatting some cricket and rugby league. Stay with us on the home of sport in Sydney, SEN 1170 AM.